1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today I'm delighted to have television anchor Susan Hay on the program with us. Also, later on in the show, singer-songwriter Hallie Burnett is back with her brand new single. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about our celebrity guest today, Susan Hay. Broadcast journalist Susan Hay has been part of the Global News family for more than 30 years. Her current position is anchor producer of Making a Difference, the popular evening news segment profiling inspirational people and organizations throughout the GTA who are positively impacting others. Susan began her career at MCTV in Sudbury as a weather anchor and host producer, then moved to the CBC Toronto as a weather anchor and on-location entertainment reporter. In May 1989, she joined Global Television, where she anchored daily regional and national forecasts. Susan continues to dedicate her free time to working with many, and I'm going to put an emphasis on the many, charitable organizations. She's the spokesperson for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada the Darling Home for Kids and World Vision Canada. In 2003, she visited Africa with World Vision to help children orphaned by AIDS and more recently traveled to El Salvador for charitable purposes. Her work in Africa resulted in a one-hour show that earned her a Telly, an American Industry Award for Excellence in TV and Commercial Broadcasting. On April 25th, 2022, so this year, she was appointed to the Order of Ontario. Congratulations. The province's highest civilian honour given to an Ontarian who has shown the highest level of excellence and achievement in any field and whose impact has left a lasting legacy in the province, in our country and also abroad, all over the world. Susan continues to serve her community not only with her compassionate reporting, but also by inspiring and impacting others through her exceptional public service, which has left a lasting legacy. She also recently received an honorary doctorate for Nipissing University in her hometown of North Bay, Ontario, which is the highest degree awarded by university faculty. Doctor of Letters is given for outstanding scholarly achievement or for exceptional service to the university or community at large as well. Her alma mater is Canadore College presented Susan with an honorary diploma for communication arts and established a scholarship in her name. And Mohawk College presented her with their honorary Andy Award for excellence in the media industry. Susan has won numerous accolades, including the Gemini Humanitarian Award. I remember that for her remarkable contributions and commitments to community and public service outside the Canadian television industry. The Rotary Youth Impact Lifetime Achievement Award in recognition of her contributions to youth and young adults and the Distinguished Diamond Award for her role in assisting charitable causes for the betterment of our community. Aside from her busy home life, Susan enjoys running and has completed three marathons, including the Ottawa Citizen National Capital Marathon, the Barbados Marathon and the Hawaii Marathon, all in aid of leukemia and lymphoma research. Susan Hay, welcome to (laughs) Finding Your Bliss.
2: (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much.
1: It's so wonderful to have you. What an honor to have you here. So, believe it or not, and this is going to be a blast from the past. Okay. I remember you from CBC Television, right? 500 Church Street over 30 years ago when I was a copy clerk oh. and you were a weather anchor and an on location entertainment reporter. And I don't know if you remember being part of that team with Hillary Brown and oh, Ona I Fletcher. Sure do. <laughs>
2: and I had just moved from Sudbury, small town Sudbury. Wow. Church Street. Not living there, but working there. And it was, yeah, it was quite different for me.
1: What do you remember? Because this was before your 30 years plus at Global. But what do you remember about those early days at the CBC down on Church Street?
2: Actually, I loved them. I really did. I mean, it was a buzz, right? News was just so important and you were at the CBC and I moved from a smaller town and everybody was so wonderful that's what what I remember and remember we would work from Church Street prepare everything and then I would run over to Jarvis and that's where the studio was so it wasn't in the same building but everybody just guided me along you know and such wonderful wonderful mentors there I was there for about a year and a half wow I I remember that so
1: vividly. I can actually picture it, and I also remember going to Jarvis carrying canisters of film in those days for Hillary Brown and bringing.
2: Oh my god! And I worked with Ona. Yeah, we did a lot of weekends together.
1: Oh, that's so great. I love Ona. Ona and I remain friends for many years, and yeah, so such it's such a blast in the past. But you stay connected, right, to the people that you you, uh, that that got you to where you are, really. Exactly, exactly. Let's go back even further because you began, Susan, your career at MCTV in Sudbury as a weather anchor. What do you remember about those days and that first professional gig in television?
2: Well, you know, even to take it back further, I, that wasn't going to be my path in life. I wanted to work with children and um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was young. I graduated. High school, younger, got into college. And I, you know, my parents said, well, don't you want to go to university? And I said, I don't know what I want to take. And I didn't want to waste my parents' money. So I went to college, loved college, by the way. College education is amazing. But I took business and I knew that's not who I was. But I was just trying to find my way. And then I thought, I want to work with kids. And so I was going into early childhood education after a couple of years of college and got a job for the summer. I was asked to do a summertime <laughs> job at the local uh, North Bay station called me because I was doing, you know, election coverage. I was helping them out. And the manager called me and said, what are you doing this summer? I said, I'm going to take the summer off. I'm going to switch paths and get into child care. And she said, well, why don't you go to Sudbury? They're opening a brand new office. They need an assistant to the vice president of news and operations. Why don't you just take it for the summer? But don't tell them you're taking it for the summer. Got the job on the spot, and here I am today. I mean, I just, I never left. And they worked me on air. And my first day on air, I was just, you know, I, I, I just, this is so foreign. They wanted me to smile. What am I smiling at? I'm looking in the lens, (laughs) and so um, there was a lot of education that went along with uh, the behind the scenes and on camera. Before I got to CBC, let's just put it that way. I stayed seven years at MCTV, you know, off air and on, and doing. I learned how to produce. They really worked with me, and that's where I learned the gift of ad living.
1: What do you do when there's that green screen and there's nothing on it? Everyone thinks there's all this weather stuff happening, but it's just a screen and you and the camera did that take getting used to I guess it was harder in those days even than it is now but
2: well at CBC there was no chroma key a green or blue screen it was like a plexiglass board with a (laughs) chalk When I came to Global for my audition, it was the green screen. And I remember, you know, I got into the studio. It was full of people. I could see there was so many people in the control room and I was so nervous, so young. (laughs) And I did my thing. The news director walked me into his office. He said, you got the job. And I said, oh, no, thank you. He goes, no, thank you. And I said, oh, no, I can't work with that. He goes, Susan, I I promise you. You know, give it a couple of weeks and you'll be fabulous. You'll just walk around a lot. Don't point because you're right. With those green screens, you have a monitor on each side and you're working off monitors. There is nothing behind you. And he was right. It took me a couple of days and then away I went and. It was a great career. And the
1: rest is history. It's it's so crazy. What's the biggest difference that you notice between the way you did things then compared to how things are done today? Is there one thing that stands out as a huge difference in the way we work and the way we do things?
2: I think we were freer back then. You know, it's not like that was a thousand years ago, but we were freer and we had, Mm -hmm. you know, we each had a voice and everybody was having a good time creating, you know, these shows every day, we worked just as hard, if not harder to make that difference for our viewers. But today it's just, it's very, everybody's in their own place. Nobody wants to say too much because you're afraid of what you're going to say to offend somebody. And the fun is gone. You know, the fun really is gone
1: you had a very cool period between 2001 and 2003 where you hosted your own signature segment susan hayes heart of the city and that popular news segment also aired as a weekly half-hour documentary series on global television what was memorable about creating that series
2: um that i created it you know when i (laughs) left weather uh, and I loved weather. I loved weather, but I knew I wanted to be with people. You know, I was in the mm-hmm. studio doing nights for 12 years and I loved it. And, and I was on location a lot and I loved the live, but I knew I needed to make that shift, to make that change, right? To mm-hmm. transform and keep going to where I am today. And I just took everybody in a studio on a weekend and I said, hey, I'm going to pay everybody, just come in for me. And they're like, we don't want any money. I go, no, please, I just need to create a pilot. And so I did, and they went for it here at Global. when times were freer for that, and we created Heart of the City. And um, I traveled across Canada because there are wonderful people in every corner of this country, and it was a lot of work. They hired a team for me, which is different today. I write and produce everything, which I absolutely love. But that show kickstarted making a difference and uh, the wonderful people I've been profiling and the fact that I am now in control of all of it with a very small team. So before, even though it was me and I was doing all the interviews, you know, I still had a producer, an executive producer and a a wonderful team. But I feel today is more meaningful with making a difference. So
1: cool. That's so amazing. You've been at Global for 33 years. That's like 33. That's like in Hollywood would be a hundred. I don't know. That's a lot of years. And it's a long time to be with one network. Like that says a lot about you. What do you love about working at Global and to what do you attribute your longevity and success at the same network for over three decades?
2: Family. It's very family. It's familiar, but I knew the day I walked into this building. I knew I was going to work here even before I was hired. I just love the people. And we are such a team and we're so there for each other. I mean, did we go through things? Sure. (laughs) You know, that's called life, right? Where there are times where you were, Hey, I just got, I got to get out of here, you know, (laughs) and, and, and try and make that leap. And I almost went to the States and I'm glad I didn't. But during those times where you kind of found unsettled, I found Africa. I traveled to Africa and it turned, you know, so much around for me. And I'm glad I continued to push through with the same company because um, it it says a lot, you know. When you start hopping around, I think you lose a part of yourself because what are you hopping around for? Um, you got to be number one. You need more money. I don't know. I think sometimes we want too much. Or we want somebody to say, oh, you went to the States and now you're back. It's been great. And it's number one, I would say Judy is family. And I thought I had that at CBC and I did at that time. But here, I mean, Uh. it's going to be hard to leave whenever that is.
1: I've heard that from so many people from Global, this family thing. Like it's, it's a real thing. I, I've actually heard that. I also know Global's been the home of the popular CBS soap opera, The Young and the Restless. And I've <laughs> interviewed some of the cast on that show. And I'm wondering if you've ever met, and I bet you have, and interviewed some of the stars of the Y&R. Did you ever
2: meet them? I've never. No. And But that's been our lead in, right? For, yes. Forever. So I've been... You know, watching the last 10 minutes for the last <laughs> 33 years to make sure, you know, we're all ready to, to get into the studio. Jack. <laughs> The character oh. of Jack, I remember I was in Jack. Hawaii in a grocery store of all things. <laughs> and I turned around and he was behind me. He goes, hello, <laughs> and I, Jack. But no, I never had the opportunity to interview them. Did you ever get hooked on that last 10 minutes <laughs> well, <laughs> or you before do, you were on right? the air you do, you know, You're looking at it and going, wow, is that guy still on or is she still? That's. <laughs> I, I saw this episode 10 years ago. 10 years ago. <laughs> It's so true. It's still going strong, and but it's been a great lead for us.
1: That's so cool. You've interviewed numerous celebrities and high profile people. Is there one or someone that stands out for you, high profile or not high profile, that even you were starstruck by?
2: Oh, so many interviews and so many people. That's a tough one. I have to say, I just spent a couple of days ago, I just spent some time with the Clemens, Pinball Clemens and his wife, Diane. And I walked into their home and I felt at home. I don't know if you ever have met Pinball. Um, What you see is certainly what you get. I've never met a kinder or more gentle human being who has done so much Uh. for this community and the world. And his wife is equally the same. And I just feel Uh. so fortunate that I'm able to interview these people. I don't know. There's there's people that wouldn't mean much to the average listener or viewer, but they certainly have touched my heart, whether they're a small child or the oldest woman in Canada who passed away, you know, a year and a half ago. She was 114. They just, they resonate and they stay with me. And then all the children in Africa that I was so lucky enough to spend so much time and hopefully have impacted their lives on a small scale. That's so incredible. Were you always enthralled with
1: broadcasting As a little girl, or I know it sounds like it kind of fell into it, but did you sort of notice it as a little kid and think, wow, that's really cool, and
2: then file it away? As a little girl, I was very creative. I was always with the tape recorder, and I would go around and I would tape record my family, (laughs) but they didn't know. And I would try (laughs) to get them going, you know, try and get my sisters to fight, and then I would play it back at dinner one night, (laughs) But I would always do like commercials or jingles. Like I was always, I always saw myself on a stage, but didn't know what that meant. If that makes sense, because I certainly was not looking towards journalism. It was children. And I'm fortunate that I'm able to do both because my platform has given me a voice to speak on behalf of all the children charities that I have represented through the years. That's so cool. Did you do theater as a young kid? Like,
1: did you do plays no, or too musicals?
2: Shy, or? Too shy. Too sh- way too shy. Wow. Still a wow. part of me is shy, Judy. I think people think you're on air. You're very out there. Um, I'm out there when I'm comfortable, uh, when I know what I'm doing, when I'm prepared, like you are. So prepared for your interview, so am I. I'm very comfortable. I'm in charge. But to say I'm gonna, you're going to meet me at a party and to find you in a big crowd and I walk in and people turn around to look, I go, okay, I'm going to go to the washroom and call Judy and tell her to meet me in the washroom. You know, I, I always say, yeah. you know, I'm a Leo and people go, oh, Leos are, are so charismatic and they're so out there. But I always say, if you parachuted me into the party and I was with a crowd that I was comfortable with, I become the life of the party. I'm, yeah. I'm fun and I like to make people laugh. But to take center stage, no. <laughs> it's
1: not funny, eh? That's so funny. That's very, very cool. You seem also to me, Susan, like a very happy person. Did you have a happy childhood? Very happy
2: childhood. Yeah, very. I can am- see that. Amazing parents and, and sisters and... Um, came from a smaller town, North Bay, that I love and adore and all the people in it, you know. Even when I had success, when I would come home, it would be, you know, Susan's home. We're so proud of you. <laughs> have a great oh. holiday. <laughs> and so all of that I have brought here. And sometimes people will say to me, You seem you seem so normal to be on T V, whatever that means, but that's yes. who I am. I'm very wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm just very down to earth. You're right. Yeah. I am happy. That's great. You know, you have your days. It's so great. Can you
1: tell us a little more about this wonderful series of yours, Making a Difference on Global, particularly during COVID when you focused on pandemic heroes like Nurse Lori. I love that story. Aww. Who's also a singer. Yes. I love that video so much. That was a beautiful report, by the way. What do you love about doing this segment, Making a Difference?
2: It's people like that, right? It's just sitting down with somebody who feeds your soul you know when mm-hmm. she said um i was a nurse for 30 years and i thought i gotta make a shift because there's other things in my life that i want to pursue like singing and she's a beautiful singer and then COVID hits and she's watching the news like all of us and she said, I got to go back. I got to go back and help my colleagues. I got to go to the front lines and I will stay as long as I have to, to this wow. comes to some sort of stability and just to interview her. And she said, nurses have never been stronger than through the pandemic. And so it's people like that. And if I can, if it touches me, then I know it's going to touch our viewing audience. And, um, I hear all the time, you know, my bosses don't have to tell me the segment's doing well or do you think we should make changes. I can gauge by how many emails come to me, how many people stop me on the street, you know, for the longest time, Judy. People loved me doing weather. They loved it. And I think they were shocked when I left it. They didn't want to believe that I was gone. They'd say, see you tonight at 11. I go, I'm not there and I'm not doing that anymore. And they look at me like, yes, you are. And so I said, yes, I am. See you tonight at 11. It took a while for them to catch on to making a difference in this new spot. Even though I came on, you know, either before weather or after weather, they still would say, are you still at global? I go (laughs) every day, every night. And um, it took a while. And now it's all about for many years. You know, I love your stories. We need your stories. You know, we feel like you're the best part of the newscast because there's so much devastation. Our world is in such trouble that these stories are making people feel like, okay, I think we're okay. There are great people out there. And during the pandemic, we never stopped. I mean, March 20th to, I remember to December 20th, I probably did 135 Mm. features and produced and um, wrote a half hour brand new Christmas special. So worked harder than ever during a pandemic and have Mm. uh, never felt so rewarding in what I was doing.
1: Yeah. People needed it. People needed it. And there you were. And you're the perfect person to be doing it. You're like this sunny, blonde, as you say, good news. And it's it just makes people feel good in a sea of so much, you know, other stuff. Everyone recognizes this. You really have been given so many awards in your young life. You, you're very <laughs> awarded. What was it like when you were given the honorary doctorate degree from Nipissing oh. University in your hometown
2: of North Bay? Like, What was it like receiving that award? That must have been so awesome. So awesome. So emotional. And I, so this past February, um, I was told, and then the Christmas before I was told I was getting the Order of Ontario. So I was getting two major awards this year, one in April and one in June. And I just cried both times. But when that came through that email from the president of Nipissing University to say, we're giving you an honorary degree, uh, like, you have to read it a couple of times. And I was just so tearful and excited as were my colleagues and my bosses here. And but that getting that award, you're right, Judy, in my hometown was the best thing I think I've ever received. And I've received so many amazing things. And I hope that comes out in the in the best way, because I just think it was going back home mm-hmm. and getting that. Of
1: course. Of course. It's so lovely. Congratulations Thank on you. that. For someone who's listening to this broadcast, whether they're in their 20s or in midlife or in their 80s or 90s, and they've always wanted to report on the weather or report on the news in some way, maybe even in a podcast, which is where you started, what advice would you have for them about how to go about doing what you love and doing this kind of work?
2: And that's what what it is, doing what you love, follow your dreams. If that's what you really want to do, find some way to get connected to somebody. You know, people reach out to me all the time to say, I need some advice. Um, how did you get to where you are? And maybe they don't want to be on air, but maybe they want to know how to, you know, to work with a a charity that's going to fill them up or another type of position. Just reach out to somebody who's already doing it. I think if you start the ball rolling, if you put it out there, Judy, and I think you're a believer in that, um, good things will come. You start the universe to look at exactly what you want to come to you, right? Thoughts are things.
1: Absolutely. What was it like, and I know we've just talked about the Order of Ontario, the province's highest civilian honour given to an Ontarian who's shown the highest level of excellence and achievement in any field. Everyone stay with us. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with the wonderful global television news anchor and reporter Susan Hay when we come back, back in a moment. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And I'm here with the beautiful and talented Susan Hay, who was just about to tell us what it was like when she was awarded with the Order of Ontario. Susan, can you take us back to that day? That day, that ceremony, Look, that's that's heady stuff. <laughs>
2: That was not a joke. (laughs) And when you see everybody else around you and and why they're getting these awards, you go, you know, you're looking around, you're pinching yourself. Totally surreal. Totally surreal. And um, just, you know, when you get up on the stage and they start, they don't tell you what they're going to say about you. You know, they ask for your bio, you give them. Many things, you know, uh, and many letters of supports to go along with this. And when you start reading what people have said about you and then how they profile you and you're standing on stage and you get this beautiful medal, you know, I have got my pin on today that I try to remember to wear every day, but there's many things that come with it. Um, uh, you can't believe it, Judy. You can't believe, you know, why me? Because I'm just doing what I what I love to do. yes. Yes, that's so wonderful. So wonderful.
1: And we talked about your alma mater, Canadore College presented you with an honorary diploma for communication arts. Mohawk presented you with their honorary Andy Award, on and on. But I remember, so you've won numerous accolades, right. including the Gemini yes. Humanitarian Award for your remarkable contributions and commitments to community and public service outside of the Canadian television industry. And I'm just wondering about that Gemini. Award. That was 2009, am I right? Yes, you are. And you know who won an award that year also for best uh, host was um, George Strombopoulos.
2: You are right. Right? Yes.
1: And what do you remember about that night? Because I don't know, to me, the Gemini's, there's just something it's very glam right? about that. It's, it's it's the bomb. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and the funny story about that. So I get a call to say, and I remember going, I was getting into a cab to meet a cameraman. I was going on a shoot and I was rushing. What else is new? And I, I get this phone call and I say, hello. And she starts going on about the Gemini Awards. And she said, you sound busy. Do you have a moment? I said, not really. Can I call you back? And she says, okay. And then I said, no, it's okay. I'm in the cap. And so she starts going on and she's the preamble. And I said, is this regarding a story? Do you want me to do a story on the Geminis? Because that's not really something that I would do. And she goes, no, Susan, you won. And I, I remember calling our PR department and I said, somebody just, I don't know if I won or if I'd been nominated. They go, Susan, you won. You do this all the time. And so that night was just because you're being honored in front of all media, right? It's the highest achievement, I guess, in our industry. And Mm -hmm. um, it was just you know, once again, to have somebody go up there and, and describe your career and why you're getting what you're getting. And the neat thing about the Humanitarian Award it was outside of what I do every day. Because I think nice. a lot of people, Judy, may feel that I do all this charitable work because... I'm on air and that's what we do. You know, we're getting paid for that. And that is so far from the truth um, for me anyway. You know, it was always part of my Mm -hmm. life, charity. I just loved helping people, making a difference. And there was never a penny that went along with that. It was Mm -hmm. all from the heart. And so to be recognized in that way was just, that's a very special award too. So cool. So do you remember what you wore? Yes, I do. And I remember (laughs) my hair was very big. (laughs) And it was growing that day with the hairdresser. And I'm like, oh, we got to tone this down and it's too late. Uh, There were a lot of curls. Did you wear a gown? No, it wasn't a gown. but It was a beautiful, it was a halter velvet and satin. So the top was, you know, velvet blue and um, Mm. the satin bottom to the knee. It was, yeah, it was pretty dressy. Wow. And then you go in that room, the press room, like it's, it's really, it's it's so fun. (laughs) And I can't believe that was 2009, but yes. And that award is means so much to me. I've got that in my home along with um, the Telly award from Africa. Those two awards speak to me because they say a lot.
1: Yeah, of course. Of course they do. You love running. You've actually completed, as mentioned, off the top three marathons, including the Ottawa Citizen National Capital Marathon, the Barbados Marathon and the Hawaii Marathon. That must be gorgeous scenery and all in aid of leukemia and Mm -hmm. lymphoma research. What do you love about competing in marathons and what's involved in the preparation?
2: Judy, I don't know how I did it. I haven't done a (laughs) marathon. I've done several halves. You know, I mean, when you prepare yourself for that, you're doing you're doing a lot of marathons along the way or almost because <laughs> you don't go to the, you know, the 26.2 uh, miles or 42.2 kilometers. So you'll go to about 18 miles. And I always do it in miles only because, you know, it was like that for um, Barbados and in Hawaii. There's just, you've got to be so, I'm dedicated with everything. My problem is if I say yes, then I will never disappoint anyone and say I can't do it and the Mm -hmm. first time I was asked to do a marathon for leukemia research I wasn't even connected to that charity at that time Mm -hmm. there was a wonderful anchor that worked here Peter Kent and he was uh, someone in his family had passed from that disease and he asked if I would run with him and at first I thought a marathon like no (laughs) and then I said let me give me some time to think about it and then I thought you know what I'm gonna do it because it's gonna get me in shape and I've only been running like 40 minutes. Let's see what I can do. So I said yes to him. And long story short, we got a trainer uh, that trained with us, who was sort of a volunteer too with leukemia research. And Peter heard himself on a trial run. The trainer said, let's go to uh, Hamilton. We're going to do race around the bay. It's um, 18 miles. So it's not quite, it's more than a half. It's less than a full. It'll be a perfect race. And this was six weeks into my training. And I did it. He didn't expect me to finish it. And I finished it. And at the end, he said, oh, you know what? We lost Peter. He hurt his, I don't know, he sprained his foot. He did something. So Peter never came to Ottawa with me. Um, He got me started and then he couldn't be there for me, but he came just to cheer me on. And the prep was crazy. For Ottawa, I trained for four months. You should give yourself a year or two really train well for a marathon like we're talking full right it's not a 10k it's not a half it's a full and uh but I did it and then I always you know my trainer became a good friend and said to me if you ever gave me a year with you you could be an elite runner. I said a year. I don't have time for a year. Um, but it was every Sunday, big long runs, and then you try to do whatever through the week. And and race day is it's like writing your an exam that you're just you know you studied for, but you don't know how you're going to do. I was always so cranky race day if you can believe it in the morning because you're up early and you know you got to eat and then everybody's going to have a banana at this point and it's like just get me started. But running for my first marathon was special because I ran for two little girls one had a leukemia and her sister was her perfect bone marrow match and they were um eight and ten when they came to me and I said I need those little babies at the finish line because they're going to get me through and they were there the last kilometer they were there Aww. for me and oh it was goodness. the most amazing thing they held my hand and we we crossed the finish line and I remember a cameraman was there of course to film it and he said. How was she? Well, she was slow, they said, because in Ottawa, it was was double loop. And so they were there for the first loop. And they thought, okay, where is she now? Like, it's too long. So they went to the mall, got their faces painted, and then met me at the finish line. But to run for somebody that you know you're making a difference, uh, raising money for research, that carried me all the way. Wow. Wow. That gives you the motivation, right? Like you, you're already doing the it. The motivation. Cause oh, you need it, Judy. So cool. I mean, you're solving the world's problems. You know, you go through highs and lows. Yes. Took me four absolutely. hours to run four and a half hours to run. You, you're and you're running. You're not, you know, you're not stopping to walk a little bit and, um, oh. yeah, you're solving the world's problems, but it's a lot. I don't run like that anymore. Um, But I loved it. You know, if somebody gave me the challenge, I'd probably do another one. But I don't know. It's so, so much dedication. And my life is is so full. I don't know where I'd fit that in.
1: I just have such great respect for you because I once did one, a relay with Deanie Petty when I was a consumer reporter on that show and there were five or six of us. I only had to do six miles, but I remember about 20 blocks before the end, I said, oh, is this Broadview and Danforth? And they said, oh no, ma'am, it's another 20, 25 blocks. No, you
2: can't hear that. You can't hear that, right? No, no. That's that's the angry part. You start to get angry. I'll never do this again. What the heck am I doing this for? Um, but it's all relative because if you know, you're going to run, I think 10 K is the perfect run for anybody. But some people will say, I did a marathon on the weekend. I go, really? And it's a 10 (laughs) K. No, a marathon is just that a marathon. And Oprah Winfrey, she once said, "She said, a marathon is like a metaphor for life. A marathon is a metaphor for life. If you can do that, you can do anything. And I believe it because it's, you have to have the miles on your legs, but it's your brain that carries you like anything. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So true. That's so true. That's really good on
1: you, because I found the six miles <laughs> almost
0: in me. Okay, I'm Judy, repressed. you and I, let's
1: do it.
2: <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> We're gonna find our bliss.
1: <laughs> what is a typical day these days in the life of Susan Hay? And I'm sure there's no typical day, but just a typical day at the station, oh. what time you rise and the whole deal.
2: You know, I rise at seven and then I sit and have coffee with my husband and our puppies every day. I have to have that time with him. And then I just do typical things in the house, but I start getting on that email at seven too and getting things ready. So if it's a day, one of my stories is going to air, I send a synopsis to the assignment desk, to our producers to say, this is what I'm doing tonight. And um, then it's a writing and editing day. And that writing process is, what i love the most but it takes a lot of work uh as you notice know, it and write, and so that's a couple yes. of hours editing is a couple of hours and then you know you take it to air and so in that four and a half minutes that i'm on air it took 10 hours to get me to that point because it's finding yes. the stories it's making um you know, plans to set up the story and then you're shooting for three hours. You know, during the pandemic, things were different. I I say easier, but at the same time, we were exhausted because uh, I did a lot of lives in the field and that's like singing to me, you know, you just, you just do it. It's easy for me. uh, Yet the setup is still there, but I did a lot of in-studio interviews and, and so I didn't have to go on location. Once you start, I call it traipsing around, you know, once you start <laughs> getting in the car and driving there with your cameraman and then sh- setting up and shooting the B-roll, that takes a lot of hours. Hours And, hours, and so these hours, stories that's... take a lot. So that's the typical, but then there's days where I, I'm just filming people. I'm just on location. And that that's challenging too, right? Absolutely. But it's, it's busy. And then you have family life and you get out of here at seven o'clock at night. And this is the best shift in TV, right? <laughs> this 1030 to 630, but it starts at seven in the morning. And then you come yeah. in for those hours. And by the time you go home, but my drive home is about a half an hour and I love it. Put my music on, meditate. I'm so happy that you do too. I think that I don't do it enough.
1: I recommend that everyone do it, even two minutes a day. Like it doesn't have to be a whole thing. I think people think, oh, it has to be a whole big beluga, so they don't do it. But if it's two minutes, anyone can do two minutes. Yeah, and it's so lovely. It builds a muscle. See, I'm not, I'm not the runner, but you build that meditation
2: muscle, right? You I'm need not even to. there yet. What am and I saying? You need to. It's I a used work in have, progress. <laughs> I used to have meditation. Someone, a yoga instructor, a true yogi, she uh, came, would come here to the studio in between shows when I was doing weather because I did early and late. Lovely. And it was so funny because she'd sit in front of me and she'd want me to stop moving, just calm right down. And when I first yes. met her, I thought, oh, come on, let's go. I got to, you know, I got to get back in the studio. And then I caught on to her. I thought, Susan, even if you're agitated, you just pretend you're so calm because she won't start until you stop. So, but I loved it. She helped me with breathing for running my first marathon. Yeah. It's all about the breath. The breath
1: is so important. It's true, right? In a marathon, on air, in life, in traffic.
2: And I think I hold, I think I hold my breath a lot. Yeah. Just letting it go.
1: Yeah. Just letting go. Always being aware of letting it go, letting go. Just even, you know, breathe in, let go and let be. Even that mantra, let go and let be is lovely. Let be, right? Yeah. It's a nice one. You have a 20 acre horse farm, which reminds me a bit of Melissa Grello, who's been on this show as well, and her family's horse farm. And when people see you there, and I know you've been interviewed there, they're surprised to see you in a casual white t shirt and jeans because we know you as always being so put together and, you know, perfect hair, perfect Uh anchor blazer and collared shirt, and and which you always rock. And yet you describe that you love being out in nature north of the city in your life that you share with your partner, Randy Marshall. Can you tell us? A little bit about your significant other and what life is like in your northern abode in
2: Newmarket. Well, he is a vet, and so that's where the 20 acre farm came in. But we actually sold that a couple of years ago because it was a lot, and he took care mm-hmm. of those 20 acres. That was his therapy, he loved wow. it. And so I remember a girlfriend came over once, and you know, she met Randy for the first time, and then we were saying goodbye hours later and she says, Oh, you have help. That man seems really nice. I go, what man? And she said, the man (laughs) out there with the horses. I said, no, that's Randy. He just changed. And so, um, he loved that, but we, we're still up, uh, in the new market area, but only on three acres now, but we do have a cottage, a family home north of the city on Georgian Bay. And, um, That's how I grew up, right? I grew up in Northern Ontario and I really am the girl next door. I think people want me to be something I'm not sometimes, you know, I hear colleagues say, oh, everybody wants to know what's Susan Hay like, you know, this princess, is she a princess? And I'm so, we couldn't be farther from the truth. I love my jeans. I love my (laughs) workout pants. I love my white shirt. Um, (laughs) weekends now I'm not so put together as I used to be um but <laughs> but I just I'm just really real I would rather you know to to host a gala now and put on the gowns and I, and I have them in my closet is that's a lot of work it's a lot yeah, of work Yeah. and I just want to be I mean because my whole life really came out of college at 18 18 19 and I had done a couple of years it's been getting ready for the camera right yes Yes. Deadlines, deadlines, deadlines. So on the weekend, you just want to breathe and you want to be peaceful. And I think the North and our family life is very low key. And more than ever before that word peaceful is everything to me. I don't know if you feel like that.
1: I so agree with you and and I thought that that the juxtaposition between your city and country life provides you, I think, with that balance to be peaceful and to not only survive, but to thrive, which is what you're doing. And there's so many more things. You're going to have to come back on the show because I want to talk to you about so many things that you do Um, as well. You were involved in a project with another one of my favorite organizations, Habitat for Humanity, Mm -hmm. that gave a family of 14 with five children, each of whom had disabilities, a home big enough to house them all. I can't even imagine how gratifying that must have been. Can you elaborate, you know, just briefly on what that project has meant to
2: you? That was a few years ago. And not only was that house built by Habitat and, you know, there was sweat equity, the family got involved too, but these were amazing parents and they were a family. Like the 14 were from mom and dad, that was all together. And um, I think the last... Two children that were born had um, challenges, but they were such a beautiful family, you know, Mm -hmm. that what love is all about. And we, Mm -hmm. I remember after did the interviews and we walked through the house and I said, if you wanted one thing, like if you could have Mm -hmm. one thing in this home, what would it be? She said, I've never had a table where all of us could sit around the table together And I found someone that donated the most gorgeous handmade table to them. And then some, we got all the cutlery and we decorated the tree. We brought the tree. I mean, we just set the whole family up for, for Christmas. And it was, it was amazing. I've done many, many interviews and, and work volunteered and features with Habitat for Humanity. And that's a charity that speaks to me as much as, you know, Africa speaks to me because it's different wow. families on different wow. sides of the world. Wow.
1: Your time in Africa culminated in a one hour documentary that aired in the US and Canada and as discussed before, won you a Telly Award for Excellence in Broadcasting. What was it like to make that documentary and win that
2: award? That was the most amazing thing. I remember every part of that trip and I I did about four with them, spent Um, from 2003 to 2006 traveling. So I was over in Africa about four times, different parts. The first time I went over, we had a very tiny crew, um, a producer that goes over ahead of you to grab the stories and then just Mm. an audio and a a shooter who directs. I mean, it's a very small team. And... Mm. The four of us were very close, met them, you mm-hmm. know, I'm coming from Toronto, one's from California, the rest are from Vancouver, but they had been doing wonderful, amazing work with World Vision for years and years. And mm-hmm. um, they parachuted me in and I said, you know, I'm not a girl who's scripted. Just take mm-hmm. me in and let me talk to you. And they said, okay. And so the first day they took me to a school where I sponsored my little girl, you know, our, our eyes locked. And I said, this is a little girl I want to sponsor. And I said, can I do something here? I mean, this is the school that sponsorship built. Canadians need to see where their money's going and look at the school they were in. It's falling apart. And I just spoke Mm -hmm. to Cameron. I talked for a couple of minutes and, you know, nobody said anything. And, We were at dinner that night and I said, are you guys okay with me? You know, you don't know me. Was that okay? And they said, Susan, we cannot thank you enough. We just saved a day in the field because you are so connected. People get off the plane sometimes and it's not for them. And you just fell in love. And I did. I mean, Africa is my happy place. That's where I shine the most. Being in the depths of these project areas, we didn't stay in a hotel. We weren't in, you know, we barely had running water. And I loved it. I just loved it.
1: What do you think you love the most? What did you love the most about it?
2: Because they loved me for me. These kids, they didn't know who I was. I was Susanna from Canada and they just wanted to be with me. And I think I just I felt like a mother to them. Like I was keeping them safe and trying to give them as much as we could. And they just, they, they're they happy. They are so happy where they are and what they have. They don't know that they don't have a lot. What they have is is everything to them. Their little huts, they would sweep their huts clean for me when I came. You know, they were so proud Aww. to show me their little space. And, and I just think nobody asked for anything over there. You know, they were just... That's life. If you go over there and you do that kind of work and it feels sometimes like you're back a hundred years, I think everybody should experience that. And it was all volunteer. And, and, you know, we didn't know. We put together this documentary after the fact and then we won for something that generated a lot of response to get those kids sponsored. That's why we do it. That's why the cameras, you know, this woman said to me, the cameras come and the cameras go and we don't know what you're doing. But when we see kids being sponsored, now we know. It just touches your heart. There's so many stories, Judy. That's a whole other show.
1: You're a wonderful person. This is what I've learned in this hour with you. And you just strike me as someone who is not only compelled to succeed, but just really nice about it in just a very lovely, natural Canadian way. Aww. And I and I just think you're a great person. What is bliss for Susan Hay?
2: Bliss for me is that word peaceful. I want things that are going to fill my soul. Everything I read is inspirational or motivational, uh, self development. People talking to people like you, and I'm not just saying this. You're so soothing. I could go on and on all day. I could go for coffee <laughs> with you. So I want things that are going to feed my soul. My family is everything to me, and my friends, my colleagues, and I think. Having this opportunity to speak for those who can't speak for themselves just fills me up.
1: God bless so you. You're sorry. a good person, Susan. No, don't be sorry. I I get it. And you are such a true finding your bliss person, a beautiful person inside and out. Honest to God. You well, really thank are. you.
2: Thank you for, you know, wanting me to come on. You've had a cast of thousands and um, I just appreciate the work you're doing. And I think, you know, making a difference and finding your bliss is what people should be listening to and looking at because the more we look at what's going on in the world, we need kindness. We just need things that are going to make us feel good. And that doesn't mean, you know, um, material things all the time, right?
1: Absolutely true.
2: This has been such an honor to have
1: you here. I want to thank you. And before I let you go, what is the best way for people to reach out to you, connect with
2: you on social media, et cetera? You know, Twitter. I'm on Twitter and, of course, email. I'm very private, so I'm not Instagram or Facebook, but at Susan Hay Global or uh, Susan.hay at globalnews.ca. That's where you'll find me.
1: I want to thank you so much, Susan, for being on the show today. It really has been so delightful to have you here.
2: Thanks, Judy. Thanks so much. Thank you.
1: We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with Finding Your Bliss and singer-songwriter Hallie Burnett when we come back, back in a moment
0: Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days. Remembering that life is about moments that we create together.
1: Hi, we are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And our featured artist this week back on again with her brand new single is Hallie Burnett. Hallie Burnett is a singer-songwriter based in New York that currently goes to NYU. Ever since the age of 11, she has prolifically written music and has had a deep passion for sharing her story. Now at the age of 18, Hallie is focusing on releasing her first album, which she kicked off with the release of her first single, Through. You can follow Hallie on all social media handles. Her Instagram is at Hallie Burnett. I'm gonna spell that for you. It's H-A-L-L-E, B-U-R-N-E-T-T underscore underscore. And she's also on TikTok and that's at Hallie Burnett Music. She's so excited to be sharing her new single with you today through. So without further ado, here is Hallie Burnett singing her latest single.
3: Punisher's on replay and I'm lying on my chest the rings he got me long ago and telling him he's the best long walks on tuesdays and pretending not to know your name giant sun black and shades give way to all the things i can't explain The band-aid for an open gash it's got shape for a big fat mess i'm holding it together when the text only says red and i just haven't been in bed i'm still holding it together a book i found in english class to make up for when nothing lasts and taking Through. Hours of cartoons and working out until I can't breathe anymore, and looking for attention. Though nothing's gonna fix what was once so pure Doing everything to feel okay But when the sky's falling, no one's calling, swear I'm gonna break It's the band-aid for an open gash, it's got day for a big fat mess I'm holding it together When the text only says red and I just have A book I found in English class to make up for when nothing lasts Than taking on your problems for you That's just how I make it through
1: Oh my God, Hallie, that was so beautiful. The song is called Through and it's available everywhere on Spotify and check out her Instagram at Hallie Burnett underscore underscore. Wow, that was just gorgeous. Each week, we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or a musician on the show. If you're a singer, please reach out to us. And if you're an author, artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, or really anyone who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. Also, what did you love about today's show? Are there any guests or topics that you would love us to feature on Finding Your Bliss? Write to us at FYB at FindingYourBliss.com. I'm also a life coach. If I can help you in any way before the holidays, let me know. Just reach out and contact me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. I'm also on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. And all you have to do is search up Judy Liebrach. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I would like to thank all of our wonderful guests for being on the show today. Celebrity guest, Susan Hay, just loved having you here. And also thank you to Hallie Burnett for sharing your gorgeous music with us. Thank you to Meg Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie, producer and audio engineer Nayura Mani, audio engineer Juliana Yanuciello, senior editor Lauren Kaminsky, video editor Sierra Brown Rodriguez, audio producer Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer and of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.